Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome into 104.3 The Fans Coffee Break. Cecil Lammy, Rachel V. Hill. Cecil is recovering from the busiest weekend of the year for him, the NFL Draft. Cecil, how are you? Yeah, it's uh, not only a coffee. I've already had coffee, and now I'm on to the energy drinks, so uh, that's that's your answer. Okay, Cecil, how many hours do you think you worked this weekend? I am not supposed to say, so I don't get in trouble. But, uh, yeah, let's just say I, I haven't stopped. Uh, I thought a little bit of slowdown on Sunday, but now riding up on drafted free agents. So it's, uh, it's a process, to be sure. It's a grind. Well, we appreciate you spending your morning with us for a little bit. So we're going to get into it. But we already have a comment that says, doesn't any evaluation of the Broncos draft have to include Russell Wilson? And yes, so if you were to include Russell Wilson, what grade would you give the Denver Broncos on the draft this weekend? Well, it's an A+. plus. They got the best first-round pick in all of the draft, right? Now, we have to, we can do that, and we can soft-sell it, and, you know, Russell Wilson, I understand that. I get that. It makes sense. You know, I'm, I've had plenty of people reach out and be like, you got to put Russell Wilson in. Okay, okay, fine. Twist my arm. I'm putting Russell Wilson in. George Payton's the greatest GM of all time. All right, now, can we talk about the players that were picked? Because they start out hot and fizzled uh, in this draft. Pretty disappointing on uh, day three. Oh, I like how you say it fizzles out. So we've got the drafts. Let's go ahead and throw them up, or the pickies, I guess we could call them, too. Um, so Nick Bonito, obviously, they're going with the Casa Bonita kind of talk around him, round two, pick number 64. What grade would you give him? Yeah, that's an A+. plus. Um, that's a player that could be a first-round pick, honestly. It's a super senior class. We talked about it, uh, about the COVID year, and you have fifth-year, six-year guys. So you had this collection, this group, a cluster of talent. Uh, but in a normal year, Benito would have been in the first-round conversation. I felt he might be anyway, honestly. I felt that, and I wrote about it at DenverFan.com, that the Broncos may have to move up to get a Nick Benito, called him a Bronco fit, knew they liked him, knew he worked for what they needed, and they got him at 64. They did not have to move up. So a great move for the Broncos. This is a fine pass rusher, a player that can be a pro bowler for many years. A player, honestly, and John Davis said this, I promised JD I would I would use his name, give him a quarter every time I say it, but he said this guy could lead the Broncos in sacks this year. It's not outlandish at all to say that, um, and I think more of us should be saying it. That's the type of talent you get with Nick Benito. This is a great pick for the Broncos, and he'll be a, a Broncos player that fans will rejoice over for years to come. Oh, love hearing that, especially when it comes from you and, of course, John Davis. Uh, moving on, though, to the next pick, but how surprised were you that the Broncos didn't move up from 64? There was a lot of talk about whether they would or not. Were you surprised that they chose not to? Well, they waited patiently um, because I had had Greg Dulcich, who they got at 80, and moved back in round three. They moved back, and, uh, well, they got him. I thought that if you didn't get Benito at 64, then Dulcich would be an option at the very last pick of the second round. They're sitting there at 75 in the third round. They move back to 80, and they still get Dulcich. Uh, so was I surprised that they moved up? Not when the draft began. And you saw the run on wide receivers. You saw a run on offensive tackle. You saw a run on cornerbacks. And we learned a lot about, well, what George Payton does and does not like about cornerbacks. So, you know, when you see how it shaped out, the quarterback, there wasn't a quarterback run, as we all know, um, which is which is accurate, by the way. 
But when we saw the way that the draft worked out, you're like, oh, okay. This, the smart teams are the ones making moves like Nick Benito and Greg Dulcich. These are two players. And Dulcich might have been in the first-round conversation in a normal year. Um, my number two tight end in this class behind Trey McBride. I told everyone he wasn't going to be there. Guess what, everybody? He wasn't there. So these two picks, both A-pluses, both home runs, grand slams, whatever you want to call them, uh, whatever sports reference I need to use, these are great picks. And Dulcich, I think, can start from day one. That's what we got. We're actually getting questions in the comments, Cecil. Is, can anyone be a starter from the draft? Obviously, I think the first two guys we talked about, but who else do you think can be? From this draft class as a whole? Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, probably not many uh, after those two. And Benito, we have to know that he'll start as a reserve, provided that Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory are healthy. If those two stay healthy, then Benito is a reserve. He's a wave, one of those pass rushing waves that George Payton talked about, and I wholeheartedly agree with him. They got another edge player that can play as well. Uh, but I, I look at this situation, I go, okay, if somebody gets hurt, Benito can step in and start. He's a future starter anyway because Bradley Chubb's gone next year. Either he blows up and the Broncos can't afford him or he doesn't and the Broncos move on. Bradley Chubb's a Bronco for one more year. So, you know, sorry, astronaut. That's just the way his pro career fell. So with Randy Gregory, his injury concerns, Bradley Chubb with his injury concerns, you needed a starting level player of Nick Benito. He can't start this year. They'll probably take injuries to get it. Dulcich, I think, can start from day one unquestioned. We'll see what he looks like in training camp. But this is an F tight end. This is a weapon. This is a guy that is very difficult to match up with because of his size and his speed combination. So he's a starter. Benito's a future starter. Pin in it, maybe a starter this year. The rest of the class, uh, no. (laughs) All right, moving on to the next one. This is kind of where you think things start to fizzle out, Cecil. We've got Demarius Mathis, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, Demarius Mathis, it, it's it's good. It doesn't fizzle till the fifth, and then it fizzles. Um, but this is a good, strong player. We definitely know what George Payton likes in his cornerback position. And you look at a player that can play outside or inside. He plays outside. This is his role in the pros. Uh, but smart, always around the football, flies to the ball, not afraid of a challenge. These are great things about Mathis. Now, I had other cornerbacks rated higher, which is fine, but Mathis was right there in that group. You know what I mean? Would I have preferred a Jalen Watson from Washington State or you know something like that, Tariq Woolen from UTSA? Sure, um, but I was putting more of an emphasis on larger corners George Payton passed on those guys, so his corners he wants are more built like Mathis. So Mathis is a fine player, uh, perhaps a future starter. We have to see what happens with Ron Darby. And and you saw a lot of next year in this year's draft, mainly because of the only the now five picks. It was four entering the draft, but five picks next year. So this is a pick basically for next year because Mathis is a reserve and then he could step in for Ronald Darby when you move on from Ronald Darby, which is probably what you're going to do after this season. And do you think a lot of the picks that they took this year, as we move on to the next player, uh, was more kind of like stocking them up, I guess, for next year because they're so limited on picks? Yeah, yeah. And you, you always think ahead. Um, we can peg this for who's he potentially replacing. And we can peg this for a couple of players in this draft. So Mathis, again, maybe one day as a starter, uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Okay. All right. Moving on to the next player. So Cecil, 
You're going to have to teach me this name. I've tried it multiple times. I've watched um, George Payton talk about him. I watched him Mm -hmm. take the call, and I still cannot pronounce the last name. So teach it to me right here on Coffee Break. Okay, well, Mark Schlereth taught me a way to remember it, right? Because it's all about remembering it uh, through song. Think of the old song, Pina Colada. This is Stink. This is Stink, so it's from the 80s. So I was like, I kind of remember that song. Uh, but anyway, if you like Pina Colada, if you like Uwa Zurique, Uwa Zurique, Uwa Zurique, Uwa Zurique. We got Okuebunam. We're like the only ones in the country, Rachel, that can pronounce Okuebunam. And we meaning the Denver media. And by yeah. Denver media, I mean the fan because, well, we're the biggest and we're the best. But Uwa Zurique, you know what I mean? And his nickname's Innie. Okay. Even though Ioma in Ioma is the way you pronounce it correctly, there's no N in it, but there's pronounced with an N. So his nickname's Any. So I'm just gonna say Any if I can't say Uazurike, but I guess I just said it. But this is a, another edge player, right? I know he's listed as a defensive lineman or even defensive tackle by some services out there. So you get a question from people like, why would they take a defensive tackle? He's not a tackle. He played edge last year, the only the second player in Cyclones history to have nine sacks in a season. And by the way, it's nine sacks at 320 pounds. <laughs> this isn't nine sacks, you know. Benito's what, 240, right? You know, is a bend and burst type of guy. But Uazurike is 320. And yes, he can play zero technique, which is straight up. It's straight up nose tackle. He can play three technique off to the side. He can play five technique. I don't, I wouldn't put him at seven which is, you know, outside standing up. But you look at Uwazirike and you say, okay, are you going to keep Draymond Jones? So Uwazirike is a Jones replacement for next year. So again, another pick like Mathis where you go, okay, I can see the writing on the wall for next year. We'll see what kind of development he gets this year. But this pick, I mean, I'm still on board, right? If we talk about draft coverage and Friday night, I'm riding high. I, I was tweeting like, George Payton, do you love me? Because he picked the two players in Benito and Dulcich that I said he would pick. And I said it on denverfan.com. Not to break my arm, pat myself on the back. In my mock draft of 32 teams in the first round, I got one pick right. I got multiple positions right, but one pick right. And there were nine trades in the first round. Mm -hmm. Thanks. There's a reason why I only do one mock draft, okay? But either way, so before I, you know, get high and mighty, I know everything. No, 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 no. (laughs) The first round came and went, and I got one pick right. And that was Charles Cross. So, you know, to get the Broncos picks, though, at 64 and then 75, ended up being 80. And Benito and Dulcich, I was on board with Peyton. He takes it with Arike. I'm like, you know, I'm still loving it. I'm still feeling it. And then my mood changed. Okay. So we obviously move on to Saturday. Let's mm-hmm. go. Another one. So Delarian Turner Yell. You have a safety who's built like a corner, meaning he's short and somewhat small. You have a safety who has problems tackling. (laughs) And you have a safety who's never stayed healthy for a full season. And you have the safety on the board. And name a position. I can give you a player that was left on. Because for me, and I'm, I'm not bagging on these kids. They get drafted. It's the greatest day ever, okay? But we have to look at who else was there, all right? And when and he's Benito's best friend. Well, I love my best friend. I don't work with him, right? Um, I wish I did. But anyway, like, uh, you're not taking players because he's somebody's best friend. And I know they didn't do that. But Benita was there when Peyton asked him, like, what do you think of your your teammate? I just, 
again, Tariq Woolen, I think, was the very next player off the board. Rachel, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But you had a 6-4 cornerback on there. And you didn't solve corner with Mathis. You may have. We'll see. But, like, you could have doubled up on corner. Um, you had uh, Matt Luetzko, the offensive tackle from North Dakota. He was there. This team hasn't drafted a tackle since Garrett Bowles. That's, that's a problem. You had Kyron Williams there, one of multiple running backs. And Williams from Notre Dame, one of the best three downs backs in this draft. You had him right there. I know it's the fifth round. So people, oh, who all's there? Yeah, there's talent there. Okay. And you're not reaching. Uh, Turner Yell, I had graded as a seventh-round player. So you pick him up in the seventh, fine. I talked to a bunch of scouts across the league. Nobody I talked to was like, I really hope Turner Yell falls to us. So, again, it was one of these like, um, I don't know what you're doing with this pick. Because, again, small safety, problems tackling, can't stay healthy. What? <laughs> and there was still good talent left on the board. So this is where my mood again, changed, and it was further changed by the next pick. This Okay, so this is kind of where the, the true fizzle out really went down. But I want to ask you, because you mentioned the injuries there. Um, obviously, N'Kobe, um Dean was like a huge name that everyone was like, right. oh, my goodness, right. what's going on? Like, why is he not getting picked? And they said because medical, because he wasn't willing right. to get surgeries. Right. Was there anything else to that story? I I mean, I don't want to get into the rumor mill about that. For me, it always comes down to medical, right? What's what's happening when players are, are dropping like that? But here's the problem. N'Kobe Dean is a top 20 talent. <laughs> you know, that's the problem. Um, when you have players fall in the draft and you're like, oh, the guy's banged up. If you're going to take a chance on a guy and Turner Yell, like, he's okay. If he was healthy, he's okay. But, again, he has problems tackling, mm-hmm. which, is, again, like, why is that on your draft board? Hey, we don't want the guy that's too small and can't tackle and can't stay healthy. That doesn't make any sense. Um, when I look at N'Kobe Dean, I go, well, you take a chance at a certain – but there's a tipping point in football and in life. There's a tipping point. And at that tipping point with N'Kobe Dean – was about where he went, but why weren't the Broncos in on that? Because if he hits, he's great. And if he doesn't hit, well, who cares? You only spent a mid-round pick. So, again, I don't want to bag on these kids, and it's the greatest day of their lives, but I just look at who else was there, decisions made, and why some of those decisions were a little uh, curious, to be sure. Uh, By the way, Rasheed Walker from Penn State, he fell. Another offensive tackle, third-round grade on him. And, you know, injuries. All right, little knee thing, whatever. But again, that was a third round graded talent that just kept falling. And I think he fell past Montreal, Washington. Again, my brain's still mush. Um, but with Washington, you're taking a Division II player from Samford, and he's a return man only. And I know he beat, tore up Florida. Florida sucks. Okay. It's not like he's, uh, he's taking down Alabama. You know what I mean? Like, is. At Samford, was he playing SEC talent? Yes, I guess. But to think the Florida Gators are anything like they used to be, it's just incredibly misguided. Mm-hmm. And there's been plenty of players. Dan LaFever tore up Georgia when he was at Central, and LaFever couldn't play. All right. And I had LaFever's my number five draft pick, that or number five quarterback that year that he came out. He was Antonio Brown's college quarterback. Oh, I, I mean, I could give you multiple examples of players that, you know, for one game, 
And there's a quote from, uh, well, White Man Can't Jump that I probably won't say on air. I say it on air, but I won't say it on your show, Rachel. I'll say it on my show because people expect me to be a, a potty mouth. But anyway, like, yeah, the sun shines where it doesn't shine sometimes. So, you know, he tore up Florida. Oh, God, you're taking a return man from Division Two. Yeah. Why isn't K.J. Hamler returning kicks? You know, K.J. Hamler's faster than this kid. K.J. Hamler's going to catch 10 passes this year. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so again, the talent there, it's nothing to do with Montreal, Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, but this reminds me when David Williams was drafted mm-hmm. ahead of Philip Lindsay and because Philip Lindsay was drafted. So DMAC asked me, who's David Williams? Like, oh, he's my 60th running back. I like, had a couple sentences on him. And with Montreal, Washington, he was my 72nd wide receiver. 72nd. That's priority free agent level. And you take him in the fifth with talents on the board. So, you know, this is, you kind of get your favorites in a fantasy draft, you know, like, oh, it's my guy. I know maybe he's not that good, but it's my guy. Well, yeah, Montreal, Washington, maybe your guy, but why? <laughs> and why there in the fifth round? Get him in the seventh. Nobody cares. Get him here in the fifth with talent still on the board. It's, it's curious. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, moving on. We'll keep this conversation rolling. I appreciate the honesty, though, Cecil, as always. Um, Luke yeah. Wattenberg, round really five, pick 171. Yeah, really good player. Center guard versatility. Um, uh, very, very bright. Uh, so, you know, you look at a certain type that George Payton has. And this is where the draft kind of turns around for me. Um, it was those two picks in the fifth that really were off. And then it starts turning around with Wattenberg. Again, you're, you, you know, we're not talking about anyone tearing up the charts or Pro Bowls or whatever, uh, but a good guy, rotational guy, probably a swing guard, uh, reserve for his career, uh, but one of those players you bring in to compete. So, again, not a bad pick, not against this pick, um, and, and the, the placement of the pick. Again, this is why we grade drafts for people that say you can't grade a draft. Yes, you can. For everyone that says you can't grade a draft, I say take a seventh rounder number one overall. Can you grade that? Right? Can you can you grade that? Oh, you go. You just don't know, right? You just don't know. That's lazy. It's lazy and it's an excuse. And I hate it. I hate when anyone on our station says it. I hate when anyone on TV says it. Like you can't grade a draft. Yes, it's not a final grade, but you can look at where these players were taken compared to the other players on the board and see what was out there. Wattenberg went where he should have gone. It's a pre-assessment, all right? You have to take those to get into college and figure out what classes you're going to be good for. So it's a pre-assessment. I went to community college for a year, Rachel, so I I don't even know how I ended up there. But uh, anyway, and I'm sorry for being grumpy, man. Usually you and I, we're, we're, we're vibing, man. We're having a great, you know, fun show. And today I'm just pissed. Because no, you are not, Cecil. You still, you're providing so much insight. I appreciate the. Well, George Payton disappointed you. me, and I don't. I don't think after you know, I was. I thought he was looking over my shoulder. I was like, what? and and again, I don't know anything compared to George Payton for all the people because there's a lot of misconceptions. Like you think you know more? No, I don't. No, I don't. Those guys forget more about football than I know. But I study this. I know the market. I talk to every team except for New England. New England guys still don't talk very much. But anyway, so I talked to every team. No one was tearing up the phone lines for Turner Yell, okay? No one was tearing up the phone lines for Montreal, Washington. Wattenberg, again, good pick, solid pick. Went where he should have. All right, we like it. And we also, um, he has a picture on our next slide here. Oh, actually, just kidding. I got ahead of myself. I got ahead of myself. Hold yeah, on. Yeah, okay, Matt Hensington, go for it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, well... <laughs> 
I know what picture we have, but the picture we should have should be from Team America because it should be Matt Damon. Henningsen is called by scouts Matt Damon because of Goodwill Hunting because the kid's brilliant. He's brilliant. Now, you know, we say players smart, high football intelligence. Yeah, okay. Don't draft dummies. The Broncos had a habit of drafting dummies years ago. I will tell you off air about those things. But anyway, like, it's a great pick. This is a great pick, right where he should have gone. You get position versatility. You get high football intelligence, a guy that you can move around the formation up front on the line, you know, and, and just right on the money. This, this is what you're getting in the sixth round. This is a solid, good pick, probably a backup, probably a rotational guy for his entire career, but one of those glue guys that every team wants to find. Okay, okay. Now we've got the picture. Here we go. There he is rocking that Champagne jersey. So he's always been a Bronco, Bronco at heart down there. But uh, quickly, we want to move on to the last one. So you're kind of telling me, though, right now that the middle is where you question the Broncos. Otherwise, towards the end, you kind of think that they took players in the right order, like where they belong in the draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Hicks is the same way. You know, seventh round corner. Uh, you get some speed to his game, to be sure. And again, tenacity, just like with Mathis. You watch Hicks on film, it's like Mathis. They don't, they don't back down. So you like seeing that. So again, I'm, I don't like crushing these kids. I'm generally positive. I am, trust me. Uh, I try to be. But like mm, a couple of these picks, uh, you just didn't, you didn't need to right there in the fifth round. You could have done it later. Gotcha. Well, we're happy to see some new players here for the Broncos. Obviously, we'll look forward to seeing them out at training camp, see what we can get out of them. Cecil, as always, love having you on Coffee Break. Thank you so much. Ooh, the Superman. We like it. (laughs) Appreciate you. I'll go get some sleep. Sounds good. Enjoy your nap, Cecil. It's a perfect rainy day. Uh, We now are going to bring in Jake Shapiro, though, because he was hanging out with um, Jamal Murray, MPJ, and Tim Connolly on Friday. Jake, thank you so much for joining me. How are you? I'm pretty good this morning. How are you, Rachel? I'm good. I'm good. Okay, so we do this thing on Mondays. You're obviously new to the team where we do like a weekend roundup, but I wanted to get you on because you were actually there when um, MPJ and Jamal and Tim Connolly spoke to the media on Friday afternoon. So can you kind of give us in a little like short paragraph, like rephrasing what you learned? Yeah, so I had a quick story up on denverfan.com on Friday. I should have one or two more up today. Uh, Obviously, we were pretty swapped up with the draft, as you just heard from Cecil. But the big things that I kind of took away from that were, you know, one of the things I knew as soon as Jamal Murray went down, and it was reinforced by something I heard from him, which was he's going to come back from whatever that knee injury was, bigger, faster, stronger. And he said his best dunk is ahead of him. And, you know, the the kid Jamal Murray has been that we've known in Denver is obviously just so courageous and so strong and determined. And I felt like since the moment he got hurt, he was going to come back even better than than where he was. And there is ways for him to get better. I mean, he has been cleared, which does not mean he's ready for five on five full contact, but in, in some ways, he's almost healthy enough where he can start adding to his game this offseason, and that's so big for guys to be healthy in their offseasons and get better. Uh, you've heard Will Barton talk about that in the past. Um, MPJ, it seems like he got a little bit mature. He was a lot saltier than Jamal in this presser. I guess both were kind of salty in ways, but in, in MPJ's was a little bit more depressing, I guess is the word, than Jamal. But 
MPJ said, based on what happened in college with his back injury, and he felt like he came back too soon for the NCAA tournament to push for his teammates, that he re-injured his back. He learned that once he had a setback with his back earlier this spring, he wasn't going to push it and try to come back this year. He was just going to take it easy, try to do the right things for his back. And everything he's talking about is doing the right things for his back. Um, I think these two guys are in very different mental states, but I also think that based on what they said, they've started to rely on each other and formed a closer relationship because they've kind of gone through this injury thing together at the same time. So I, you know, where the nuggets are, it's really hard to say, because who knows what Michael Porter Jr. is going to come back as. Um, But even if he's, he's just what he was his second season with the nuggets, his third season, whichever that was just a few years ago when he was healthy uh, in 2020, 2021, the nuggets probably are still a contender and they're thinking contention and they're thinking titles. And that's pretty big in my mind that they think the core of Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. and Nikola Jokic can win a title. And those guys and Tim Conley are saying that without acquiring anything major. In fact, they're saying they think they can do it with the guys in their own locker room. Now, Tim Conley, the president of basketball operations at the Nuggets, is out there talking about, hey, you guys know what, what we need, which every single person and their mother knows the Nuggets need a perimeter defender. So it sounds like to me that Tim Conley knows they need a perimeter defender. Um, but one of their big assets is that they have the number 21 pick in the NBA draft coming up. And they got Bones Highland at 26 last year, and you saw how much of an impact guy he was. The Nuggets have had some massive hits in the draft. And also some massive busts, missing on a guy like OG Ananobi, who would be the perfect player for this team. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the Nuggets will do with that number 21 pick. They normally draft the best player available, not positional fit. So I would guess that positional fit, they'll try and get a free agent to fill that spot. Um, it does sound like they want Boogie Cousins back, but it's going to be really hard to do, was kind of the, the feeling I got. And, you know, they're going to go into the luxury tax for the first time in years, which is a big commitment from the Cronkies and the entire organization that they're going to spend that amount of money, which essentially means if you start spending a certain amount of money, you get taxed on top of it. So if you spend $155 million, that's $5 million over the luxury tax. So you get taxed about $10 million on top of the $5 million you spent there. So the Nuggets are going to spend a lot of money this year. Oh my goodness. All right, Jake, appreciate that update. You're more than welcome to stick around. We're going to quickly do our weekend roundup. If you want to talk a little Avs, Rockies, Rapids, everything we got. Let's do it. All right. Weekend roundup. Obviously the Colorado Avalanche start the playoffs. We got hockey playoffs starting tomorrow night. I cannot believe we are here. Jake, how freaking pumped up are you? There's nothing better in the world than the NHL playoffs, the Stanley cup playoffs, as we say, um, I was just texting, and Rachel probably didn't see this in our group chat, but me and Will were talking about Roman Yossi and Cal McCarr. We are so excited for this matchup. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be so much fun, so much to look forward to. And moving on to the next slide, Gabriel Landeskog was in a normal sweater for practice. That was obviously great to see this weekend. We were all – I think we were kind of getting, like, a little bit closer to the playoffs, and we were like, all right, when's Gabe going to really get out there, be back with the team? So it was great to see him out there this weekend. Mel, in the comments, said, do you guys have any updates from as practice over the weekend, injury news as we're starting the playoffs? I feel like Gabriel Landeskog was a big one. I was actually out of town this weekend. So, Jake, I'm going to defer to you. Was there any other injury news? This was the big one. Uh, more mm-hmm. or less, they're expecting everyone back healthy. I think Ryan Murray is even a guy that might 
make a factor in the, in this playoff series. Um, but I, I just think about Gabriel Landeskog because obviously he's your captain, and he also beat the ever living crap out of uh, <laughs> Matthias Ekholm earlier this year in in a fight, or maybe that was two years ago. But but they have some history. The Preds, the Gabriel Landeskog, uh, and the Preds. Oh, man, it's going to be so much fun. Playoff hockey is so much fun. I'm so excited. All right, next slide. We got the Rapids getting the win over the Timbers 2-0. They are 3-3 on the season, eighth in the West. And then some actual news, too, going into this, which we've got in our next slide here, is going to be that Andre Shinoshiki could possibly be getting traded to Charlotte FC. It's not official yet. The team hasn't announced anything. That This was kind of on the rumor mill this weekend. Um, have you heard any other news, Jake? We were both on the Colorado Rapids beat for a little bit. Yeah, Andre's probably gone, uh, like 99.9% gone. Tom's a really good reporter. Uh, Andre was a DU kid. He, he's been around Denver for a while. He kind of just lost his place with the Rapids, bringing in uh, Gashi Zardis, who's one of the best uh, players, strikers in America. The Rapids get a huge win over the weekend, though. That was their first win since March 12th, first time they scored multiple goals since March 12th. Uh, second game for Zardis, first real action because he came in just 12 hours before the trade the last time uh, they suited up. So the Rapids seem to be moving back in the right direction from last year's playoff appearance. Um, and Andre Shinoshiki, although very solid for the Rapids in his career in Denver, just did not seem to fit the future picture. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm with you there. Moving on to the next team, the Colorado Rockies, fourth in the NL West. They had or won the series against the Reds, and they will take on the Nationals starting tomorrow. But the other news that came out, and I believe this came out on Friday, correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, but Chris Bryant has a back injury and was put on the 10-day injured um, reserve list. Yeah, I actually wrote a story about this on DenverFan.com. Uh, Chris Bryant and Brennan Rogers were injured after their last road trip because of their sleeping arrangements. They called their sleeping arrangements jail beds. So you're probably going to want to check that out on DenverFan.com. As for the weekend, uh, Garrett Hampson comes uh, comes off the IL on Tuesday. That'll be a big bolster to the Rockies. They need to kind of shore up that middle infield. I I think they kind of showed their true colors on their road trip. I don't think this weekend set against the Reds that have won three games and have lost 18 uh, really means anything about the Rockies. Uh, Although it is nice to sweep a team that is the doormat of the National League. Right. No, I'm with you there. All right. And I believe just the next slide is us talking about, again, Chris Bryant. So it's so interesting that, you know, a professional baseball team is sleeping on beds that feel like a jail bed. Uh, You might want to take a look at the hotels that they're staying at in the MLB if that's the case. Jake, thank you so much for hopping on with me this morning, though. I really appreciate the time and all the info, too. Again, I was out of town this week, so I come back knowing that I got you and Cecil who can fill me in on everything. Um, Also, a huge thank you to everybody else that tuned in this morning. Again, 10.30 a.m. tomorrow morning, we are back with another episode of Coffee Break. And tomorrow, too, obviously, we've got game one of the playoffs between the Preds and the Avalanche. We have face-off going on. Um, Jake Shapiro and Will Peterson will be joining me. We're going to break down everything that you need to know about these first series for the Avalanche. So thank you again, everybody, and we'll see everybody tomorrow morning. Bye, everyone.